I'm excited to be able to continue uh, in the series that we're in, and God's really done some amazing things in the life of the church over the last, especially over the last uh, month or so. Um, I know today we've got actually about eight to ten families that are still struggling with sickness. I mean, it's just crazy that it's still going around, but it still is. So again, continue to pray for people, continue to lift people up. Uh, Keep um, Bethany um, Langford in your prayers as she recovers from her knee surgery um, last Tuesday. Just pray for them. Uh, Just kind of lift them up and pray over them if you would. And then again, this whole week, uh, my my prayer is that you will just pour into, through your prayer life, just pour into the women's conference. Just pray for it each and every single day and just pray for God to do amazing things and an amazing work in people's lives. With that said, just pray with me as we, as we begin today. God, I thank you so much for all you do. and God, I thank you for this morning because I really believe that this can be another one of those kind of stepping stones in our life that, that just kind of helps us to get to that next stage, that next step in our walk with you. Maybe that stage that we have kind of been putting to the back burner and maybe afraid to even launch out on. But God, I pray this morning will be an encouragement. So, Father, with that said, I just give this to you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. There's a family who decided, I don't know if you've ever done this or not, but they decided that they wanted to create a book of the family's history for the father, their father's 80th birthday that was coming up in the several months down the road. And so they commissioned a professional um, a biographer to do the work. But they pulled him aside and they just kind of privately warned him of the family's black sheep. Anybody in your family, you know, is kind of have that black sheep of the family? Well, they did. They had this black sheep. In fact, it was Uncle George. And Uncle George was a uh, convicted murderer and he had been executed um, by the electric chair. So the biographer assured the family that he would be able to handle the situation in a way so that anybody outside the family who read their story would not pick up anything unusual about Uncle George. So when the book came out, this is what he wrote. This is great. Dear Uncle George occupied a chair of applied electronics at an important government institution He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties, and his death came as a real shock. (laughs) Now, hopefully, hopefully you realize that words have an incredible power, right? I mean, just by the way you say them, just by the words that you choose, by the words you pick, words have incredible power, and they can do tremendous good, but they can also do great harm. They can encourage and they can build up, but as you know, words can tear down and destroy. They can bring clarity or they can cause great confusion. That's why it's so important that we learn how to choose our words wisely because what we say will either lead someone closer to Jesus or it will cause them to remain far from him. Sometimes simply, because of the words we say. First Corinthians 14.9 says in the Message Bible, if you speak in a way that no one can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? I like that. 
James chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 says, People can tame every kind of wild animal, bird, reptile, and fish, and they have tamed them, but no one can tame the tongue. True, right? That's why today we are continuing in our series called Made for Mission. This has been a great series. And I really especially loved last week as we began to get a lot more practical. We began to understand how we can just live this mission out in our life. Just how we can devote ourselves to pray for those opportunities to come, to watch for those opportunities when they come, and then to take advantage of those opportunities when God brings them into our life. And then we began to look at some just practical application of that. And so my prayer is that you were blessed, because I know I was, because it helps us as we begin to live the mission out. But today, what I want us to do is to unpack how we can share our stories and how we can share God's story with others. And that's why it's so important to understand how powerful our words can be. Because as we share our story and as we share God's story, we need to do it with passion and we need to do it with clarity and we need to do it in a way that's going to draw people closer to Christ. And so that's why I'm excited today to be able to help us in a very practical way just to understand we all have a story. We have a before and we have an after. And that's a lot of times all people need to understand and know before they hear God's story. So let me ask you, if words really are that important, and if words that we choose really can either bring someone closer to Christ or take them farther away, then let me ask you this, what type of words are you known for? What type of words are you known for? I mean, if, if your family or your closest friends, maybe those you work with were polled, what would they say about your words? How would they describe your speech? How would they describe how you talk to them? Do they see you as an encourager or someone who tears down? How do they view your words? You see, the reality is your words speak volumes. And your words speak volumes about your character. But this is the thing sometimes we miss. They also speak volumes about the God you say you follow. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verses 34, or in the second half of verse 34, he said, for whatever is in your heart determines what you say. Whatever's in your heart determines what you say. So let me ask you, do you ever have a hard time communicating? You ever? You ever have a hard time just communicating, trying to get your mouth to get across what your brain is thinking? You ever had that problem? You know, you, you, you go through this whole list of things in your head that you want to say, but somehow the memo doesn't get to your mouth, right? Okay, now, give you a good personal illustration of that. I had that happen last Sunday morning in our volunteer meeting. So in our volunteer meeting, I was trying just to encourage our, our, our people and encourage our volunteers. We had, we had had a great men's Bible study kick off the, the, the week before. And so I was encouraging, I wanted to encourage our guys. And in my head, I had it all laid out. But again, my mouth didn't get the memo. So when I said it, it came across totally different 
than what I meant to say. And what I meant to say was that uh, we just want to encourage our guys and get them coming because if we can get guys coming, guess what? Guys will bring their families. I mean, that's just a reality. But the way it came across was the only way this church is going to grow is through our men's ministry. And that's not what I was saying because my mouth didn't get the memo, right? And so sometimes we just have a hard time communicating. So I spent a lot of uh, Monday on the phone just apologizing to people that, you know, so that's just the way it is. But that was, that was my experience with that. Here's the thing, if we're honest, all of us would have to admit that at times we just struggle in this area of our life. And because we do, it can definitely affect how we share Jesus with those around us. In fact, at times, sharing Jesus feels like you're speaking in a different language, doesn't it? I mean, it just feels like you're speaking a different language. I mean, you could be talking with a neighbor about your NCAA bracket and how it was busted in the first round. Anybody had that happen? Anybody's bracket just get busted in the first round? Yeah, okay. And and that's a great conversation to have, and that's an easy conversation to have, right? But if God comes up or the church comes up or Jesus comes up, all of a sudden... Getting anything out of your mouth is like playing chubby bunny with five-date marshmallows in your mouth. You ever done that before? Our youth group did that on Wednesday night. They, they kind of played that. They had all these marshmallows stuffed in their mouth, and then they're going chubby bunny, chubby bunny, chubby bunny. You know, and it's really hard to do. But that's what it feels like when we, when we try to get the words out about Jesus. It's just like we're playing chubby bunny. That's why we need to learn to tell God's story. And that's why we need to learn to tell our story with clarity, with passion, with truth, with honesty. So that when we are sharing that with others, they see something that's totally different in us. And it begins to touch their life and it begins to touch their heart. So here's where I want to start this morning. I want us to start by just looking at our story. Our story. How can we share our story? You see, here's the thing. Whether you realize it or not, you and I have a story to share. I mean, if you've come into a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, then you have a wonderful and a powerful and a redemptive story to tell. And here's why that's true. Because regardless of how old you were when you came to faith, hopefully there's a difference in your life. Hopefully people have been able to see a difference in your life since Jesus invaded your world and beautifully wrecked it with things like grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. Let me give you a couple examples from the scripture. I'm just going to briefly tell this and so we can continue to move on. But there's a great story in John 4 about when Jesus had his interaction with a Samaritan woman at a well. They had just entered the region of Samaria and, and into Sychar and they went, he, he, he stopped at a well. It was about noon. The disciples had went into town to get food and Jesus was just kind of hanging out resting when a Samaritan woman came. And Jesus began to have this interaction with this woman and he began to talk and the subject of living water came up and 
She was very intrigued about that. But then Jesus began to get a little personal. And he began to, to tell her a little bit about her life. And he said, well, why don't you go get your husband? He said, oh, yeah, that's right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five, and the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. And through the conversation, she begins to realize this may be the Messiah. Because he knows things about me that nobody else would know. And in verses 28 to 30 in John chapter 4, this is what it says. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I did, ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Jesus' interaction that day changed something in this woman's life. So much so that she couldn't help but share what God had done through Christ, through Jesus, through the Messiah. And she began to tell everyone, and they began to stream to him. But there's another story in Luke chapter 8 where, Je- where Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. He had just crossed, him and the disciples had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. Come to the region of the Genesis. And there was a guy there who was possessed. He was naked. He was crazed. He was alone because nobody wanted him in town. And so they really banished him to the tombs that surrounded the town. And Jesus began to have this interaction. And discovered there wasn't just one demon, but... His name was Legion. There was a legion of demons in him. And so Jesus begins to deal with the demons, and they go, oh, don't, don't, don't cast us into the bottomless pit. Send us into that group of pigs that are on the hill. And so Jesus casts those demons out and casts them into those, that herd of pigs, and they run off the cliff down into the sea where they drowned. And the herdsmen that are watching them freak out. Can you imagine? They just freak out. And they run back into town. All of a sudden, crowds begin to come. And when the crowds get there, guess what? They see the man. He's fully clothed. And he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Healed. No longer possessed. But healed. And I've always wondered, in fact, it hit me again this morning. This is just me personally. I, I, I think weird things. But I always wondered, why not cast them in the bottomless pit? Why cast them into the pigs that were on the hill? Today, what hit me was this. Maybe Jesus was also sending a statement back to the people of the town who banished this guy out. I don't know, because that was somebody's pigs that just... They just lost all their livelihood, right? They just lost it. They're drowning in the sea. That's just me. But here's this demon-possessed guy, and he's there. He's clothed, and he's talking with Jesus, and the people see him. And then look what it says in verses 38 and 39 in Luke 8. It says, the man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him home saying, no, 
Go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. And he didn't just go back to his family. Look what it says. So he went all through the town proclaiming what? The great things Jesus had done for him. I mean, the first thing he did when he had his intersection with Jesus and when Jesus had intersected his life and changed it, the first thing he did was he let people know. And he began to share the great things that Jesus had done in his life. You see, every one of us who have taken Jesus as Lord and Savior, we have a before and we have an after story, right? And that's, all, that's about all that people want and need to hear right out of the gate right then. Now, you may not be a demon-possessed person who was uh, saved from that, but you may be more like the woman at the well who just feels kind of shamed and full of guilt and pushed to the side. See, I don't know where you were in your relationship, but you have a before story and you have an after story. And that's all that people want to know. They just want to know what you were like before you came to Jesus. What were you like before you came to Jesus? They want to know what allowed you to embrace faith in him. And then they want to know what you're like now that Jesus has come into your life. You see, your own before and after story, it doesn't have to be more complicated than this. It just needs to be simple. It needs to be said in a humble spirit and with a humble heart. And most importantly, it needs to be true. And it's sad that I even have to say that. But the reality is there are people who for some reason feel like their story isn't crazy enough or wild enough or bad enough that people are going to respond. And so they create a story. You probably have heard people that do that. They just create a story because it sounds better. No, keep it true. People just want to know what your life has been like and what Jesus has done for you. You see, it doesn't matter if you have a gutter to glory story or you just have a normal conversion experience. Before Jesus, get this, man. We are all lost and headed for eternal separation from the Father. When it comes to our salvation, guess what? The playing field is leveled at the foot of the cross. It's leveled. It doesn't matter what you're like or who you were before Christ. You were just as lost as the next person. So keep it true and humble and simple, honest. You see, the beauty of the Christian life is that we all have an incredible story to tell. Everybody does. We are all just sinners saved by the amazing grace of God. And just because, again, just because you weren't a drug addict or a murderer doesn't diminish the power of your testimony. You have a powerful testimony because you were once lost and in Jesus you've been saved. You have a powerful, powerful testimony. In fact, you will be able to relate to the vast majority of people that God will send your way Because you just have a fairly normal testimony. So let me challenge you to spend some time working on your testimony this week. Your life message. 
that you want to share with others. That's my prayer and that's my challenge. We need to continue on. So we want to look now, not just at our story, but let me go real quickly to God's story. I'm going to have to get through this very quickly. Let me ask you, what would you say if someone that you had developed a relationship with, you've developed a friendship with, someone that you had done just what Katie has done only in a personal setting where you just shared your testimony, shared what God has done for you. What if they came to you and they simply said, you know what, Fred? Now that's assuming your name is Fred, but if they said that, you know, you would say, we've, they say, we've been friends for quite a while and you've been really cool about not forcing this God thing on me. Well, I want you to know, I guess you could say things in my life have just kind of gone a little south. They've gone down. In fact, in every area of my life. And so I thought I'd give this God thing and church thing a try. It seems that Jesus made a difference in your life, and I wonder if he could make a difference in mine as well. Could you explain this whole God thing to me? Now, if they said that to you, what are you going to say? If they ask you to explain this God thing, what, what will you tell them? What's going to be your response? Let me tell you, if you get a situation like that, let me tell you, in sophisticated theological terms, that's a wide open door of opportunity, okay? If they come to you that way and they say that, you better jump right in. You see, some of you probably have been there. Some of you may not want to be there again. I don't know. But you've been there. And let me tell you, it's really not that complicated. Because if that's you, then I'm going to give you some help. I'm kind of losing my voice. That might be a good thing. We may be short. Um, let me give you some, some help because it really isn't that difficult, right? God's story really isn't that difficult. Let's see if there's a help. In fact, there's a simple and effective tool, a very simple and effective way to present the gospel story to encourage others that I want to encourage you to commit to memory. It's simply called the bridge. It's very simple, but it's very powerful because it illustrates God's story in a way that I think people can understand it in a very simple terms. Because it tells us what God through his son has done for each and every one of us. Now I want to tell you, most of the time when I sat down with somebody who is outside of Christ, who's never accepted Jesus into their life, this is usually what I tell them. This is usually what I use. Now, when I do it, like in a home or even here at the church, I'll usually just write it out. I'll diagram it, diagram it out. But... This week, I actually found slides that went with it. Never done this before, so this is going to be a new teaching experience for both of us, okay? But the story is still the same. So I know this is going to be a little more difficult for the guys in the booth, but just kind of follow along with me, and I think you'll be okay. So let's get started. Go ahead and bring up the first one. Let's just suppose... This is you up here, and you're on this one little cliff here, and you've been walking, but you really want to get to this side over here. But between you is this great gulf, I mean, this chasm, and it goes down, it goes down really far, and there's this raging river at the, at the bottom, and 
you're standing there thinking about, how am I going to get across this? Now, you don't have any tools with you. There's nothing around that you can use, even if you wanted to, to try to build something. I mean, nothing you can do on your own is going to get you there. So if you were going to go from this point to this point, what do you need? What would have to be there? A bridge, right? There would need to be a bridge. And if there was a bridge there, guess what? You'd be able to cross, wouldn't you? Now, here's what I want to do. I want to take it out of the realm of the physical, and I want us to look in the realm of the spiritual for just a few moments. So now, go ahead, Gary, bring, just kind of follow on. You'll be able to bring these up. So now, instead of you being there, this represents people, okay? And this side represents God, and that chasm that, that's right between now represents sin. And that sin is what's going to separate people from God. I mean, ever since the beginning, even though, as we learned in our community group this past week, we were created very good at the beginning, at the start. But when sin entered the world, guess what? Sin separated us from God. In fact, look what Paul says. All have sinned and fall short of God's glorious ideal. I mean, that's the truth. Sin separates us and keeps us here and and does not allow us to come to the Father and come to God. In fact, the interesting thing is this. Go ahead and go to the next one if you would. Even though that's true, as people, we still try to do things on our own, right? I mean, we want to try to fix it. We want to try to get from point A to point B by ourselves. So guess what we do? We try all kinds of things, right? We try good, good things. We try every religion on the planet to get there. We try a lot of good works, but nothing seems to work. In fact, here's the thing. On our own, all those things, all those things, they will always fall short. They will always fall short. We will never be able to cover the sin. We will never be able to cross from from death to life on our own. So because of that truth, guess what God did? God made a way for us. He made a way for us. In fact, he sent his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to die on the cross, not only to pay the penalty for our sin, but also to cover our sin. I love what Paul says. Look at this verse. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Isn't that awesome? I mean, isn't it awesome to know that in the middle of your sin, Jesus died? He didn't say, you clean your act up, and then you can come to me. He didn't say, you get your life straight, and then you can come to me. He said, I'm going to die for you right in the middle of your sin. And so he did. He sent his son to die in our place. And so now the cross he bore, get this, it's become our bridge. The cross he bore has become 
our bridge. And when we accept Jesus into our life, we are able to cross from death to life. In fact, our baptism symbolizes our spiritual death and our resurrection to new life. You see, because of his amazing love for us, you and I have a way to the Father, and it's through the cross. I want every one of us just to repeat this with me. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, if you remember nothing else about the bridge illustration, you remember this. Jesus came to earth to give us a way to the Father to become our bridge. And whoever makes the decision to cross the bridge will live with God forever. That's why the Apostle John wrote these words. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's the bridge illustration in a very simple form. It takes about five minutes to do. But if you can memorize that and get that down and just kind of put it in your own words, it gives you God's story to share with people in a very simple context. You don't have to necessarily have the slides if you want them. I can send them to you. I usually just drew it out on a piece of paper. But the point is, we were sinners, and sin separated us from God, and God provided a way through Jesus. And the cross now not only provides us a bridge, but it covers our sin. So whatever illustration you use, Keep in mind that it must come from your heart. The words you use must be humble. They must be healing. They must be wise. They must be gentle. They must be encouraging. And they must be grace-filled. And then you also need to remember this. You're not responsible for transforming the human heart. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Our role is to act on the opportunities God gives and to share our story and to share his story in a very simple but clear way. Now let's reflect. You know, when Jesus approached the city of Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, and he looked out over the city, he began to weep for the city. I don't think he was weeping over the buildings. I don't think he was weeping over the animals. I don't think he was weeping over the land. I think he was weeping because there were people in that city who didn't know God, who thought they did, but who really didn't, and who didn't have a connection with him. And I think he would have the same reaction if he was standing before us today. I think he would look out over this area and he would weep because he would see thousands of people who need a connection with him. Thousands of people who don't know him. Thousands of people who need to come into a relationship with him. And as I thought about that, maybe, just maybe, that's why God has you here at this time. I think that's why God brought Lucy and I here. Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why he has put you at your job. 
Maybe that's why he's put you in your apartment or your townhouse home or your subdivision. Maybe that's why he has put you with the friends that you have so that your story and his story can influence their life forever. You see, all of us know people who need Jesus. So here's what I want you to do for just a moment. I just simply want you to close your eyes. Everybody just close your eyes. Here's what I want you to do. With your eyes closed, I want you to picture that person in your mind. Picture that person that you know that needs Jesus. Just picture them. Get a good picture in your mind of that person who needs Christ that you know, that you come in contact with, that you have a friendship with, that you see almost on a daily basis. I want you to get their their picture in your mind's eye. And I want you to see them now. Not for what they are. But now I want you to try to visualize and see them for what they can become when Jesus gets a hold of them. Can you see it? You can open your eyes. You see, we need to begin to see people the way Jesus did. We need to begin to allow people's stories to break our heart. And to begin to see them for what they can become when their life gets wrecked by his grace and mercy and love and and forgiveness. Can you see that? Pray with me. Father, I just thank you for this morning, and I thank you for this time. I thank you for Katie, for sharing her story with us, God. Lord, I pray for each person here today, because each person who has given their life to you has a powerful testimony to share. And God, they have a, your story to share. And so help them to just do it in a way, Father, that comes across humbly and honest and truthful and simple, but just shows what their heart beats for. God, we give all this to you. It's in your holy and blessed name that we pray. Amen.